0: Welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast. I'm Steve Baldwin. It was about three months ago that the first case of monkeypox was discovered in Los Angeles County. And since then, there have been nearly 1300 cases confirmed by the Department of Public Health, including Long Beach and Pasadena. Our first guest today is one of those cases. Matt Ford was diagnosed on June 24th and has since graciously agreed to join our podcast today to share his story. Matt, thanks so much for joining the LA Public Health Podcast.
1: Hi, Steve. Sure. Thank you for having me.
0: Matt, tell us about how you ended up getting diagnosed. What's your monkeypox story? Yeah. So in a nutshell, I
1: got a call on Friday, June 17th from a friend I'd been hanging out with the weekend prior informing me that he was 99% sure that he had monkeypox and that I had likely been exposed through skin-to-skin contact. So, After that call, I checked myself, noticed a few lesions I had not noticed before, so it became pretty clear pretty immediately that I probably had it. I spoke with my doctor and to the Department of Public Health. They were all in sync from the get-go. I got tested that following Monday, and it came back positive the following Friday, so a full week after I was notified. And then from there, you know, I was just going through it for the next about three weeks. It was three weeks and three days total uh, recovery time. Experienced the classic symptoms and can get into all of that.
0: Were you aware of monkeypox before you heard from your friend? Were you aware that it was a thing?
1: So I knew monkeypox existed. I'd seen headlines Mm -hmm. and stuff about it since like May. I knew it was something that was in Europe and that it was starting to spread to the States, but I didn't know anybody it had directly or personally affected. So it wasn't real high up on my radar to be wary of it until I got it myself.
0: Yeah, yeah. What were the symptoms like? What did it feel like to have monkeypox?
1: So the first things were the lesions that appeared for me, although I didn't even notice they were there at first. Shortly followed by the flu-like symptoms, fatigue, sore throat, cough, full-body chills. I was sweating through my sheets at night. Yeah, it, it felt like a really miserable flu uh, for about five days to a weekish. And then as those symptoms sort of abated, more lesions were appearing. So you know, within a few days, I had lesions pop up on my face. Within a week's time, they were starting to appear all over my body, you know, on my shoulders, ankles, legs, one was on my scalp. And at its peak, I counted more than 25 all over me. And oh, um, wow. yeah, so that was the most ongoing. And you know, at best they were like itchy and annoying, but at worst in more sensitive areas, they were excruciatingly painful to the point that my doctor had to prescribe me narcotic painkillers just to be able to go to sleep. Cause there were multiple nights in a row I wasn't able to, to even fall asleep.
0: Wow. That sounds horrible. I'm sorry that you went through that. That's terrible. Thank you. How,
1: Good to be I, on the other side.
0: Yeah, no, no doubt. So once you saw your doctor and you you got a prescription for some pain medication, were you also prescribed some like antiviral meds or what meds made the most difference for you, I guess?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, no. I, I requested uh, tecovirimat or TPox, which is, you know, mm-hmm. the primary antiviral treatment. I learned yeah. about that kind of later on in my infection. And I requested it, but that was before the CDC loosened up some of the red tape surrounding it. So unfortunately, mm-hmm. I was not able. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, Tylenol and Advil, um, I was taking a lot of Epsom salt baths because I found that was the only thing that would really help with the pain a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, also a tip out there for anyone going through it, Vaseline on the more painful lesions can actually help because something about the lesion interacting with air apparently can contribute to pain. So for me, mm-hmm. it helps to go to sleep to cover the more painful ones in a, a thick layer of Vaseline.
0: Oh, that's a great tip. How long was it after you started experiencing symptoms that you actually were fully recovered? You said it was three weeks and three days. Is that the full process for all of the lesions to go away?
1: Yep, exactly. So it was uh, Friday, June 17th when I first noticed the lesions. And then the date I was cleared, it was three weeks and three days. I'm trying to remember. It was a Tuesday, July 12th. Yeah.
0: Okay. And you said you were... You weren't offered the vaccine at that point, correct? That wasn't approved until later.
1: Right. No, I asked about it, but I think it was my doctor's opinion that I was too far into my infection for it to really help.
0: Have you shared with others like friends or family? And if so, what have they, what has been their? How have they shared back? Do you feel like there's a stigma around this at all for you?
1: Yeah, you know, thankfully, I mean, certainly not with family. My family's been very supportive and all my good friends or even acquaintances, like people I know personally, the response has been pretty positive and and supporting, which is nice. You know, I'm very fortunate and grateful that when I was going through it and I spoke out publicly about it, I had, you know, a bunch of messages of people checking in on me, people sending care packages. I was very, Mm -hmm. very grateful to have that. It was a real light in the darkness online, it was kind of a different story. I mean, it was still mostly a positive response, but with the internet being the internet, I had to deal with some some trolls and some people saying really cruel things. So that wasn't great, but you know, I'm, I'm familiar with the internet and knew that that would probably come with the territory.
0: Yeah, the internet is what it is. I completely understand and agree with that. Um, uh, how do you think that public health can assist with that at all? Is there something that we can do to help support or help change the perceptions around monkeypox?
1: I guess I just want to be sure about what you're asking. You mean like to fight the stigma?
0: Yeah, or to or to fight the stigma or to help message better about prevention or, you know, reducing the spread. Any way that the public health department can help support communities that are impacted by, by monkeypox?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think from what i've seen you know i think a lot of public health officials are doing a good job of reinforcing that it's not an sti and it's not a quote gay disease and you know there are kind of multiple camps on the messaging right there are some people that think we should be prioritizing you know eliminating or decreasing any potential for stigma and then you know over perhaps even like data or being you know straight up about transmission et cetera. and then there are people in the opposite camp you know arguing that like in their words that gay people should be treated like adults, and we should be straight up about the ways it is spreading, et cetera. I'm of the opinion that multiple things can be true here. I think we can be straight up with people talk about the data and how behavior modification that can help with that, while also acknowledging that it is not a quote, gay disease, and there is no reason for shame or stigma. in any of this, nobody's done anything wrong in getting it. It's just You know, something that is affecting our community and we want to curb that outbreak before it spreads to other communities to get a handle on it. Mm -hmm. So I hope that in some way answers your question.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, it does. Is there anything in particular that you would want folks to know that you haven't shared yet in terms of your experience or, you know, what it's like going through having monkeypox?
1: Yeah, I've talked about this a little bit, but I don't think it's as much at the forefront. Mm. It does a number on mental health as well. You know, Mm. spending three weeks in isolation and coming out of that, I had a lot of social anxiety and social awkwardness. And it's been kind of a learning curve dealing with the ramifications of having it because, you know, there can be weeks after where the pigmentation is still fading. And so there can be lingering worries about passing it on or, or something. So, yeah, that was that was something I kind of had to deal with. And, you know, I'm still in some ways getting past.
0: Matt, is there anything that you could recommend that helped you through that? The like transitioning from the social isolation piece and into sort of like coming back out into the world?
1: Yeah, I mean, I recommend therapy for everyone uh, (laughs) from experience and also just, you know, being with good friends to start. You know, I, I went to a dinner with some friends, which helped me like feel comfortable again, you know, just kind of easing into it. I think helps with uh, the transition from quarantine to being out in society again.
0: That makes so much sense. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining the show. Really appreciate you and, and your willingness to share so much with our audience. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thank you for the kind words and thanks for having me on.
0: To help us understand what monkeypox is, how it spreads, and most importantly, how we can protect ourselves and our loved ones from getting infected i'm joined today by dr leo moore the medical director for clinic services in the los angeles county department of public health dr moore thank you so much for joining the podcast today thanks for having me steve so dr moore can we just start with a basic question what is monkeypox and where did it come from
2: monkeypox or mpox is a virus that was first identified in a colony of monkeys in 1958 in denmark so Believe it or not, it's been around for over 60 years, which is quite a long time since this discovery mpox has been endemic or consistently regionally present in Central and West African countries, such as Cameroon, the Democratic Republic of the Congo and Nigeria, to name a few places. Although endemic to Central and West African countries, we've seen prior mpox outbreaks in the U.S. Notably, the most recent outbreak was in 2003 when an exotic animal vendor received a shipment of Gambian pouch rats, which were infected with mpox. He sat those rats beside a cage of prairie dogs and the rats passed the virus to the prairie dogs. The prairie dogs were sold before they developed symptoms and ultimately infected approximately 47 humans with mpox.
0: Got it. Okay. All right. So, how is monkeypox spread? So, as alluded
2: to in my answer to the last question, mpox can be spread from animal to human. It can also be spread from human to animal uh, and from human to human. In this current outbreak, we're mostly seeing human to human spread through direct contact with the mpox or monkeypox rash. Monkeypox is not considered a sexually transmitted disease, but it's often transmitted through close sustained physical contact, which can include sexual contact. This close sustained physical contact requires direct contact with a rash, scabs, or bodily fluids from a person with mpox or touching objects, fabrics such as clothing, bedding, or towels, and surfaces that have been used by someone with monkeypox or contact with respiratory secretions.
0: Thank you for explaining that. And I think there's there has been some confusion around that, right? Because it is spread through sexual contact, but we're not calling it a sexually transmitted infection. So... For example, can you talk about condom use? Does using a condom during intercourse or sexual contact help prevent the spread of monkeypox?
2: So using a condom is really helpful in preventing many diseases, including HIV, syphilis, herpes uh, as well. In regards to monkeypox, uh, using a condom can be helpful if there are lesions specifically on the shaft of the penis. However, if the lesions are in other areas around the genitals or around the rectum, for example, or just lesions that are scattered over the body, uh, wearing a condom doesn't protect. Uh, against getting monkeypox from those lesions. So uh, good to wear a condom, but also to do an inspection of the areas where uh, sex is occurring in order to uh, better prevent transmission of monkeypox.
0: So it's skin-to-skin contact, not necessarily just the genitals or the genital area. What about men that have sex with men? Are they at a higher risk of catching and spreading monkeypox? Men who have sex
2: with men are not at a higher risk of spreading or catching monkeypox. Uh, One of the things that we know is that since monkeypox is spread uh, through skin-to-skin contact, anyone uh, can get monkeypox. What's interesting about this outbreak is that we are seeing more cases in men who have sex with men, but we know that we've not been testing as much uh, in other populations. We are starting to test more now that there is more testing available. Uh, so we continue to monitor the testing that we're doing um, to ensure you know, everyone who uh, is at risk is being tested and uh, having the option of treatment and vaccination.
0: Got it. Thank you. So anyone that's having skin-to-skin contact with someone that has active monkeypox is at risk for catching it, it sounds like. Yes. Okay. That's really clear. When we started talking, you mentioned that the virus was initially spread from animal to animal. And there was a, a report recently from France about monkeypox being reported in a dog. So I'm just curious, are our pets at risk? Like if if I have monkeypox and I have dogs at home, should I be worried about spreading monkeypox to my my pets?
2: That's a great question. So yes, there was a case of monkeypox in a dog who slept in the same bed with his owners while they were symptomatic with monkeypox, meaning they had rashes on their body. The dog developed rash 12 days after the owners developed symptoms. uh, And we were actually able to uh, see through data that was analyzed in, in France, uh, that the virus which infected the dog was the same as the, invi- the virus that infected the men. Mm. So pet owners, I think it's really important for them to know that they should isolate from their pets as much as possible when they are infected with monkeypox. Avoid sharing the same bed and cuddling with pets, which I know may be hard to do for those who are really close with their pets. Mm-hmm. And when interacting with pets, all the sores uh, should be covered to avoid exposures, you Know, those with monkeypox, you use gloves, uh, use clothing, masks or other personal protective equipment to cover those sores as needed.
0: OK, that's helpful. We've talked a lot about how the virus is transmitted. Let's talk about the symptoms. How do I know when I'm infected with monkeypox? What are some of the symptoms that I might feel? So that's a great question, Steve, and
2: I think one of the things that I will mention is that many of the symptoms of monkeypox are similar uh, to symptoms from other infections. So you may not know firsthand or right off that it's monkeypox. Uh, For example, some of the flu-like symptoms such as fever, chills, tiredness, sore throat, nasal congestion, cough, muscle aches headache. Many of those can be seen, you know, with COVID-19. They can also be seen with other respiratory viruses. Uh, But one of the things that's most unique about monkeypox is the rash that we see. That rash uh, can occur in single lesions or lesions across the body. We're seeing a lot of lesions in the genital areas around the anus, but the lesions are also being seen on the face, on the arms, all over the body. And so, these lesions are most unique. And Uh, They actually go through multiple stages as well, Um, but the stage that I think is most eye-catching or one that would maybe signal that this is monkeypox is when the lesions become a pustule. Uh, So they uh, become a pus-filled sore that, when scratched, breaks open and leaves uh, an ulcer base uh, that scabs over. Seeing those types of sores on the body cropping up around the body um, would be a sign um, that a person should be tested for monkeypox.
0: And I've also heard that it's quite painful, The the pustules and the sores can be painful or itchy. Is that true? That is
2: very true. They can be excruciatingly painful. Now, everyone's mm-hmm. body is different. There, mm-hmm. you know, are some patients who uh, have been reporting very minor tenderness and and pain, whereas others are saying the pain is excruciating and uh, needing, you know, analgesics and also uh, needing treatment specifically uh, for uh, the infection.
0: Well, let's talk about what some of those treatments might be. So, I, I have flu-like symptoms. I develop some of these sores and. Maybe even they develop into pustules. What should I do? Sure, that's a great question.
2: There's currently not a treatment available that's specifically designated as treatment for monkeypox. However, the one treatment that is available that we've been uh, administering to patients is called Ticoviramat. and it's an FDA-approved medication for the use in smallpox patients, which smallpox and monkeypox are in the same family. And so it can be used as an investigational drug for people with monkeypox. What does that mean? It means that ticoviramet still requires oversight for use, meaning that we do a special informed consent form and we monitor people throughout the treatment. What we are seeing in clinic is that the treatment is working very well for people uh, with monkeypox. Uh, It's a medication that can be taken either orally by most people or via IV uh, for persons who are unable to take the pill. For most people, the medication is taken twice daily for 14 days and In clinic, a lot of our patients are reporting decreased pain and improvement in healing of sores within two to three days of starting MPOX treatment. Uh, Mm. So we're seeing it work well. Uh, With our patients, as you mentioned, um, you know, the lesions can be painful uh, and we've seen patients with clusters of sores on their penis foreskin, causing swelling and inability to void, as well as clustering of sores around the anus, making voiding extremely uh, painful. Uh, We've also seen lesions near the eyes as well. So due to the medication being an investigational drug, we are only recommending it for patients with severe pain or severe immunocompromise, which can increase the risk of complications.
0: Hmm. Talking a little bit more about the the lesions that form, is it easy for someone to tell the difference between a skin irritation or a rash or like a mosquito bite, the difference between those and monkeypox? Do they look similar or is it pretty obvious that from a doctor's perspective that that looks like monkeypox?
2: That's a great question. A big part of this is about history. So prior to jumping to the conclusion that you have monkeypox, people should ask themselves, did I use a new soap or wear new jewelry or clothing that could be irritating my skin? Was I outside recently to get bitten by mosquitoes or other insects? Have I had skin-to-skin or intimate contact with new people? The next thing would be to look at the sore. Uh, As I mentioned previously, the most common presentation for monkeypox is that the sore looks like a small pus-filled bump or once scratched, like an ulcer. We've seen them crop up in single lesions in places or as multiple lesions all over the body, whereas for skin irritation, there's usually redness and itching uh, that can be in the pattern of clothing or jewelry or all over the body body if it's due to soaps. And then when we think about mosquito bites, they tend to cause itch and minor redness, but it goes away within two to three days, whereas monkeypox lesions would still be present. With monkeypox lesions, we see them uh, for anywhere between uh, two to four weeks. It takes quite a while for those to heal.
0: And is the individual that has those lesions for two to four weeks, are they contagious during that time? Like how long is the contagious period once once you're infected with monkeypox?
2: Another great question, Steve. So uh, people are contagious or infectious uh, with monkeypox as long as those lesions are uncrusted or have not yet uh, completely healed. And so the way that we know that they've completely healed is when uh, the crust is gone, the scab is gone, and there's a fresh layer of skin that has has now arrived and, and arisen, is now present. Uh, so once all of the lesions have healed, uh, then the person is thought to no longer be infectious or contagious. Uh, one thing that I do think is important to mention, however, is that we have identified monkeypox virus directly in the semen. Mm-hmm. And so we are not uh, sure at this point, there's more research that needs to be done. We're not sure if the monkeypox virus that's identified in semen is able to be passed from person to person through semen. And so we actually recommend uh, cisgender men who have recently healed uh, from monkeypox and their lesions are all healed to wear condoms uh, for mm-hmm. eight to 12 weeks uh, in order to prevent any potential spread of monkeypox.
0: Wow. Thank you. That's the first I've heard of that. That's that's really interesting. Thank you for sharing that. How serious is monkeypox? I mean, can someone die? One of the things that we know is that it's extremely rare, uh,
2: but people can die from monkeypox. Mm-hmm. So far, uh, in this outbreak of monkeypox, there have been 10 deaths total, mm. and that 10 deaths is across about 45,000 cases or mm. so. Uh, so, very, very rare, 10 out of 45,000 cases. And what we've seen is that the deaths are in people who are immunocompromised mostly. For example, uh, one of the cases was a person who had lymphoma, for example. Uh, but then we're also seeing uh, some cases where people people were not immunocompromised and had no chronic medical conditions and are dying from uh, encephalitis or inflammation of the brain. And we know that when the brain is inflamed, uh, that it can cause pressure and swelling and that mm. pressure and swelling can encroach upon the brain stem, which, you know, we, we need the brainstem to not have that pressure in order to perform essential functions like breathing and circulation. Uh, and so we have seen some cases of death with encephalitis, but really very, very rare that we're seeing death, but it can
0: happen. How does monkeypox, and thank you so much for sharing your expertise. I uh, really appreciate all this information. It's so great. Um, what is the difference, if, if you don't mind sharing, between monkeypox and other viruses? For example, chickenpox or shingles. Can you kind of, is there maybe like a compare and contrast you can do with monkeypox and chickenpox? Let's start with that one. Sure,
2: sure. So, monkeypox and chickenpox are caused by different viruses, so uh, that's one major difference, and from different virus families. Often, with chickenpox, you can see 250 to 300 fluid-filled blisters all over the body. Uh, mm-hmm. It's also far less common in the U.S. than prior to 1995, when the vaccine was first introduced. The chickenpox vaccine. Not to age myself, but I remember catching chickenpox from my sister as a young child. So now, chickenpox vaccine is required for school-aged children in all states. The chickenpox lesions tend to be filled with a clear fluid, whereas uh, monkeypox sores are filled with pus. Uh, Both have lesions that burst and leave behind a crater or ulcer that scabs over. Uh, Chickenpox lesions tend to appear at different times and be in different stages. Uh, So whereas with uh, monkeypox lesions, they progress through the same stages at the same time, from a flat bum to a pustule and so on. Both are extremely contagious and in most cases are spread through a skin-to-skin contact. You did mention shingles, so I'd like to share a bit about that as well. So uh, with shingles... It's caused by the same uh, virus that causes chickenpox, which is the varicella zoster virus. One of the things about that virus is that it can lay dormant in nerves and resurface. So later in life, a person who had uh, chickenpox as a child can develop shingles from the varicella zoster vaccine that they were infected with as a child. Whereas with monkeypox, we know that it is not um, rooted in uh, nerves, so it wouldn't reappear in the same way later in life through the nerve endings.
0: Mm. Do we know if monkeypox is like chickenpox in that once you've had chickenpox, you're immune to chickenpox? And is that true by the way? <laughs> if I have if I've had chicken pox, am I now immune from chicken pox? You know, that's that's a great
2: question. So yes we know first I'll I'll answer the immunity question. So Thanks. yes we know that monkeypox Previous infection with monkeypox provides some immunity. We're not yet clear on how long that immunity lasts. Um, We think it's unlikely that a person can be reinfected with monkeypox, but only time will tell. Regarding the immunity uh, with chickenpox, it's very rare, but people can get chickenpox a second time. We tend to see that in in kids who had chickenpox very, very, very early in life, like under the age of five. We also see it in uh, people who are severely immunocompromised, but it's pretty rare that that we see a second case of chickenpox. So for the most part, once you've had it, you don't have to worry about getting it again.
0: Got it. Okay. You know, I could ask you questions all day long. This is this is really wonderful. Thank you so much again for sharing all this, all your expertise with our audience. Let's move on a little bit to testing and treatment. Where does someone go to get tested for monkeypox if they suspect that they might? uh be infected great question so First,
2: uh, testing for monkeypox is only indicated for people who have a rash concerning for monkeypox. That rash is swabbed for orthopox virus, which is the family of viruses that monkeypox belongs to. I think it's important for the community to remember that there are many different causes of rashes, from allergic reactions causing a dermatitis or a local inflammation of the skin, to sexually transmitted infections such as syphilis and and herpes. If you suspect that you might have monkeypox, uh, see your doctor for testing but keep an open mind as they may test you for m- other more common infections if you're insured but haven't selected a doctor call your health plan to select a doctor and make an appointment if you're uninsured you can visit the los angeles county department of public health website where you can find information about our sexual health clinics where we're offering monkeypox testing
0: that's great and we will put a link to our website in the show notes for this episode that is a hot link so you can just scroll to the show notes click that link and you can jump right there and and find a uh, clinic near you okay we've talked about the forgive me if i mispronounce it the Ticovirumat vaccine that's correct uh, yes got it right are there other treatments available at this point or is that is that all we've got
2: currently that's that's all we have that is Mm -hmm. the the mainstay treatment that we're using at this time As I mentioned, in in clinic, we're seeing that it's working pretty well with with our patients. Within a few days of starting it, they're reporting less pain uh, and seeing healing of their lesions. So it's working pretty well.
0: Got it. In the last few weeks, there was a, you know, made news all over the world about the efficacy of giving the vaccine intramuscular or into the muscle versus intradermal just under the skin. And I'm wondering if you can comment on that. Do we know about the efficacy of the different vaccination routes? I guess you would. Is that correct to say the way the ways that you administer the vaccine? Do we know if there's a difference?
2: That's a great question. So, first, I'll start with just the uh, efficacy of, of Genios, of the vaccine. So, uh, we know from data from Africa that uh, Genios is at least 85% effective in preventing monkeypox. Uh, the effectiveness of Genios against monkeypox was concluded from clinical studies on the immunogenicity or how well it boosts an immune response uh, of Genios and the effectiveness in animal studies. It's also important to note that the 85% efficacy is achieved after receiving two doses one month apart and allowing two weeks after that second dose was administered. So, in other words, it takes about six weeks uh, after the first dose was administered to get that maximum uh, protection. A common question that I'm receiving in practice and from the community is what is the efficacy of the first dose only? So the simple answer for that, we don't know, but here's what we do know. We know that the first dose boosts immunity enough to prevent infection from monkeypox when given within four days of an exposure uh, and to decrease the severity and length of monkeypox infection if given within 14 days of, of exposure. Uh, we, suspect that the immunity from that first dose lasts for a significant amount of time, but we know that the second dose uh, causes a multiple-fold increase in immunity, helping to reach the highest efficacy, which affords our body our maximum protection. Uh, Given these findings and a national vaccine shortage, research was conducted to determine if a smaller dose of the vaccine could be administered in a different route, as you mentioned, the intradermal route or within layers of the skin, and given the same level of protection. Uh, So, the The study found that the vaccine administered between layers of the skin or intradermally has the same level of protection as a larger dose injected into the muscle or intramuscularly. All of our clinics in Los Angeles are converting to intradermal dosing for adults. Note that there are some exceptions. Uh, Mm -hmm. Children under age 18 who are a contact to a person with monkeypox requiring vaccine and people of any age with a history of keloid scarring will continue to receive the larger dose injected into the muscle. Uh, But for everyone else, uh, they will and have been for the last few days receiving the intradermal dosing.
0: That's really clear and helpful. So let's just stick on the vaccine for a moment. Who should get vaccinated? Part A. And B, why is the vaccine only offered to certain groups?
2: Yeah, So it's important to know that public health's determination of which groups should get vaccinated is based on the risk groups that are being most infected with monkeypox and impacted by this virus. Although anyone can get monkeypox, the majority of our monkeypox cases in Los Angeles County and nationally are in gay, bisexual or other cisgender men who have sex with men. We continue to test people who have suspicious lesions for monkeypox and will expand our eligible groups for vaccination as the data changes and more vaccine doses become available. Our current eligibility criteria includes a gay or bisexual men and transgender person who have multiple or anonymous sex partners in the last 14 days or skin to skin or intimate contacts, such as kissing and hugging with persons at large venues or events in the past two weeks. Persons of any gender or sexual orientation who engaged in commercial and or transactional sex in the past 14 days, uh, meaning sex in exchange for money, shelter, food and other goods or needs. Uh, So those are our groups that are eligible, we continue to monitor, we'll continue to uh, expand, you know, as we monitor the data and as
0: more vaccine doses become available. Got it. Can you speak just a little bit to the risk of monkeypox in children, particularly with schools opening up? My kids are back to school this month. Um, How can parents keep their families safe since children, at least at this point, are, are not eligible for the vaccine?
2: Yes, yes. Great question. So, first thing to mention, monkeypox spread in children is rare. Uh, In the few cases we've seen, the children have gotten monkeypox from family members who reside in the same home. Kids who were exposed to someone with a confirmed case of monkeypox are eligible for the Genios vaccine. So, we at Public Health contact all named contacts of monkeypox patients and offer vaccine, which includes the children. Uh, the child's parent or legal guardian would need to consent in order for the vaccine to be administered to minors, with the exception of emancipated minors. Uh, the good news is that there's evidence that not enough of the monkeypox virus lingers on doorknobs, pencils, or other non-clothing items to spread infection. And children should be advised not to share clothing with classmates. Parents should take their children to their pediatrician to be tested for monkeypox if they notice new rashes that appear as pus-filled sores that would be concerning for monkeypox.
0: Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I just have one final question, and again, I want to thank you for spending so much time with us today, Dr. Moore. How can monkeypox be prevented? Just if you were to say, give some broad general advice. How can we prevent further spread of monkeypox? Great
2: question. So monkeypox can be prevented by limiting intimate contact with others. Important for everyone to remember that monkeypox is being spread most frequently through skin-to-skin contact with direct contact with a monkeypox rash or sore. Also, many of our COVID-19 pandemic related measures can be helpful in preventing monkeypox as well. So masking, physical distancing, frequent hand washing, and avoiding sharing personal use items. Uh, So it's really important for all of us to do our part to uh, stop the spread of monkeypox by being mindful of our contact and of our distance and all of the other strategies that have been outlined.
0: Dr. Leo Moore, thank you so much for joining today. Really appreciate the work you do every day and for sharing your expertise with our audience. Uh, thanks again for coming on the show. Thanks again for having me. This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the LA Public Health Podcast.